0: It's Radio Free 501C, the voice of Rogue Tulips Consulting. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on your favorite podcast service. This week, I'm joined by Michael Getter of 501 Evolved. He's a first-time guest and a new solopreneur. And we're going to be diving into the topic of smart and savvy tech for all nonprofits. Welcome to episode 205. Hey, everybody. It's Monday, August 7th, and that means it's time for another episode of Radio Free 501C. I'm your host, Cecilia Supp. I am a certified association executive and a certified nonprofit professional. And thanks for joining us this week. To our global audience, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be. And thank you as well for joining us from wherever you are in the world. This week, we have first-time guest Misha Getter, who is also a first-time entrepreneur and has launched a new company called 501 Evolved, specializing in helping nonprofits of all sizes maximize their technology infrastructure. So that's what we're gonna dive into today. But before we do that, Misha, welcome to the show. Would you like to say hello to our audience and tell us a little about yourself?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Thank you, Cecilia, and hi, everybody. I, um, I am a first time entrepreneur. I have been in non-profit space for almost 20 years, providing a technology leadership for a variety of associations, uh, from the smallest one of seven people to the largest one of 85 people. And that uh, gave me uh, a pretty good uh, understanding of challenges of the associations of different size uh, face when it comes to their technology stack.
0: Wow. And that is a great summary and a great launching point because I already have my first question in mind. Mm-hmm. Longtime listeners know I'm not always prepared with a whole list of questions, but you mentioned challenges when building the substack, And to me, the biggest challenge, especially for the staff, is understanding how things integrate and work together. Is that the one you found or did you find a different one?
1: Well, it's one of several, right? Mm-hmm. Um, One is uh, not fully understanding how technology works and uh, that that may be related to training uh, or not using, not utilizing all the features that are available because people don't sometimes just don't have time Mm -hmm. to learn everything there is to learn about uh, their technology. But overarching change is, of course, integration between those systems. And there have been discussions in uh, on ASA forum about the promise of integration, where everybody says, like, oh, yeah, our system is open, we can integrate to anything. And then you bring two systems into your ecosystem, and each of them promises ease of integration, and all of a sudden, it ends up being a much bigger problem than you expected, <laughs> right? or much more costly than you thought.
0: It's right, because when they're showing you they being technology companies and they want you to buy their product. Yes. Oh, sure, it'll work, no problem. You know, it's sort of like my husband and I have a great joke about repairmen or the guys who install your appliances, you know, should work fine, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And I kind of think sometimes, and I bet you've run into this, uh, one time we had a new dishwasher put in our house where we used to live and it started leaking when they did the test run and my husband said to the installer well the dishwasher is leaking and he said oh they do that sometimes before they settle in my husband said I don't think so I think we need a different dishwasher or at least a different installer so to me That is a great analogy for what happens a lot of times with technology. You know, you're integrating a new thing into the system, it starts to leak. So what kind of advice do you give to people in that kind of a situation? And, you know, what kind of guidance do you offer them?
1: Well, uh, generally, my vision that I have been fairly vocal about over the past couple of years is to select systems that open uh, that of, offer not just open APIs and open integrations, but that offer out of the box integrations with existing uh, integration platforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. some of you may have heard the term IPaaS, integration platform as a service. And one of the biggest players in the space is Zapier, and many people probably heard about Zapier. Um, It's sometimes advertised on TV or on YouTube. There are other players like trade.io or make.com and shuffle exchange and Boomi, And there is a wide variety of them and they have different levels of complexity. But Zapier comes to mind because it offers out of the box standard integrations with over 5,000 software products out there, right? Which include Microsoft and Google and DocuSign, and uh, Cvent and IMS and uh, Mailchimp, you name it, everything oh, yeah. already offers integration with Zapier platform. So, if you happen to look for a new system to bring into your into your IT stack, right, um, it, it would probably make sense to to first of all look at existing systems that are going to stay with you for a little bit. See if they happen to offer standard integrations with one of those platforms, and then choose the next one that integrates with the platform that may or can already be used based on your existing systems, right? Um, and of course, when I was um, when I was selecting NMS, for example, for uh, my past uh, company, I worked for, organization I worked for. Um, I didn't just ask them about the APIs and how well they can integrate it with others. And I didn't just talk with the other customers and other organizations that uh, purchase their system. I also spoke with other vendors and development teams that had to write integrations with them. and I uh, And I asked them, how was your experience integrating with that vendor? And their feedback to me was even more important than feedback of some other organizations that said, oh yeah, the system worked well. When the developers told me that it was the best experience we've ever had integrating with this particular AMS because they have the cleanest APIs, APIs, the best documentation, and things just work, that meant to me that integration experience overall moving forward will be better.
0: That, you know, that is such a great tip. I never, ever would think to ask the developers about the integrations yeah. I, you know, because I'm not an IT person. I'm, I'm good with technology. I'm my own IT department, but, you know, usually you mentioned Zapier. That was about the only one I recognized. <laughs> <laughs> you said all the different platforms you can get the integrations from. And of course I use, you know, integrations with Google because I use Google workspace, but that wow, you know, never even thought of that. So, but now when people are working together in you know any size organization, people get fascinated with a software package, or we need this integration because they decide they like it. Maybe it's a new shiny bright thing. Uh, so, what what's a way that people could negotiate those things? Like, you know, if somebody comes forward and is like, I really, really think we should use Asana, even though you already have a task management tool built into your system, uh, what's what's some go? Neg- Cause you must have to negotiate with people too on these things. Um, so
1: you, the question is about how do you negotiate with the internal staff? Yeah, the
0: internal people, like a staff person, just becomes fascinated with something. Yes, you
1: know. that, that, that is a change. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes sometimes what I see happen, uh, a new employee comes on board, um, a, a possibly higher-level employee, like a, a new C-level or VP-level, head of a department level comes in, who used, let's say, a son in their previous organization. They use it for like three, four, five years. They're really comfortable with it. They, they're very fast with it. So, and they want to use that exact system in the new organization they came in. It's like, well, you guys use that. I use a It's so much better. Yeah. Well, maybe it's so much better because that's what you use. right? The other system could do pretty much the same, you know, without disrupting the workflow of everybody who's been using it. Uh, but uh, it, it, it is worth conversations, you know, uh, like how much money we're going to spend on. Um, introducing this new system right and what's the productivity loss for maybe you one person learning what we already have versus the rest of the stuff l- learning the new system that you're about to bring right but all those conversations will have to, will have to happen on the foundation of writing down the features that organization needs and taking a sober look at the new system that somebody's fascinated with, Uh, versus the system that organization already has, right? And they may have a legitimate uh, concern. And the thing that they're fascinated with may be the best solution and it's truly worth bringing on board, right? But uh, it has to be coldly evaluated based on facts and the needs. Right.
0: Well, and I think, and you probably come across this too, because I know I have throughout my career, you know, people will have a system like they'll have Microsoft 365. And it does... Pretty much everything you need, especially if you have the SharePoint platform as well, which they may have start calling that something else too. But uh, when I was a CEO at an association for nursing home administrators, we had Microsoft 365, we had SharePoint, and yet they had piled on a patchwork quilt of other things like Asana to manage tasks. And I said, but it's already built into Outlook. We have a task thing in Outlook. Uh, the database didn't talk to the website. The website didn't talk to the database. Uh, right before an annual meeting, I said, well, you know, maybe we should update the website. It's been a really long time. I see we're many, many versions out of date. Uh, the staff was afraid the website would crash if they did it. So <laughs> there's there's all of those kind of things um, that you already have. like. One of the things, and I had never even heard of this one. I, had, of course, had heard of a Sonics. That's a pretty popular task management package. But uh, they were using something called Blue Sky to do meeting minutes for like committee meetings. And I said, well, what do you do with Blue Sky? Well, you like type the notes up in Microsoft Word and then you put it in Blue Sky and it makes it a PDF. And I said, well, wouldn't it make more sense and save us a lot of time, to your point about staff time <laughs> being used well, wouldn't it make more sense to just put in Microsoft Word and if you need to make it a PDF, you can, oh, <gasps> thank you so much, that would be, and I'm like, why do you even do this? The previous CEO thought it was a good idea. I was I, like, oh, you
1: know. you absolutely right. And I am finding this patchwork uh, very duplicative uh, collections of systems. Like um, many organizations use Microsoft Office 365 that off- offers already SharePoint and Microsoft Teams that come with to do uh, to do tasking right and Planner and uh, OneNote and a full productivity and collaboration suite uh, that may not be as powerful as Asana but for many tasks and for many workflows. Um, Microsoft Planner sort of resembles Trello. I I don't know if people are familiar with Trello. I think many, many heard of it. Does adequate enough job to move the projects along. But then people use also Slack and Google Docs and uh, and Dropbox while having SharePoint. So it does take some work to simplify those things and educate people that, no, it, it doesn't, we don't need to use all those systems because once we and Microsoft can do all that, right? Uh, it, 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 again, it will, you will experience some discomfort and some productivity uh, drop because you have to learn to move from Dropbox to, to SharePoint. But overall, we can uh, remove the expense of paying for additional licenses and will unify everything under the single platform that specifically integrates well with each other. And, uh, Another thing that I wanted to bring everybody's attention to is Microsoft Power Automate, right? And uh, that I think is very underused in our community because it, it is capable of automating a lot of internal office processes and procedures and workflows that are frequently done manually and staff uh, wastes a lot of manual hours a week, uh, replicated across everybody on staff Many doing things that can be fully automated using Microsoft Power Automate.
0: Wow! Um, not that this is an ad for Microsoft, but I think a lot of us use it uh, <laughs> in the nonprofit world. Well, what What is Microsoft uh, Power uh, Automate?
1: Automate, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> before we jumping in there, I'm I'm not saying that I'm trying to advertise Microsoft. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is that if you're already paying for Microsoft licenses, why not maximize? what you can get from it, rather than paying for all the features that come with it and yet paying again for duplicative features from some other vendors. Mm -hmm. That's So um, my idea is to save money, right? And use existing tools to maximize their potential and uh, the benefit organization gets from it. So Microsoft Power Automate, it it comes uh, standard with regular uh, business standard licensing from Microsoft uh, and it's, a workflow tool where you can say uh, if you if you receive an email from a certain person that contains certain words, you can create a task in a planner for it, uh, based on that email, assign it to a certain person, and give it a deadline. Or if there is an Excel, if there is a row in Excel spreadsheet is altered in any way, you can take the data from that row and uh, populate some other data, someplace else, or um again, send an email to someone, create a task, uh, request an approval, right? There are so many things that can be done with Power Automate uh, to automate the workflows.
0: That's really interesting because the way you describe it, it sounds to me like Automate just brings together all of the entire suite, whether it's Excel, Outlook, Word, PowerPoint, mm-hmm.
1: It it does. It does. Um, At at one of the organizations I worked for, uh, their publication department had a multi-step process of originating an article for a magazine until the article gets published in that magazine. Right? Uh, Do many approvals that had to go through through the from the writer to the editor. Then the images had to be thrown in, added, approved. And this entire process that used to be manual and somebody had to oversee it, was fully automated uh, using Microsoft Power Automate. And all the steps guided all the employees from step to step to step. So everyone, nothing was lost or fell through the cracks.
0: That's really amazing because, you know, I'm a solopreneur uh, Mm -hmm. like yourself, so I don't have the big package at Microsoft, but I do. Uh, No problem, Microsoft. If you want to become a sponsor of Radio Free 501C, just let me know. We're happy to advertise your products. But uh, no, we do talk about a lot of different specific products on the podcast. Uh, So I, you know, for example, I use Microsoft 365 and I also use Google Workspace um, for managing things. So it's because Um, I use Squarespace for my website, so Google Workspace comes with uh, Squarespace, so it all just kind of bundles together, and some of those things are very easy. Actually, I find that Word and Google and everything kind of is tending to integrate a little bit easier than it used to, So, uh, so the big companies are starting to realize that, but you mentioned earlier about so many subscriptions. I'm noticing more and more of the companies are charging for services now, uh, you know, for example, Google uh, wants you to buy Google One to get more storage space. Have you yeah. seen trend as well?
1: I, I ended up buying Google One for myself. Because I ran out of <laughs> space for my for my photos, all the photos of my kids and my dog, right? And <laughs> I didn't want to delete those. Sort of I figured, all right, for two bucks a month, I can do that.
0: <laughs> I, you know, this is why I ended up getting it because I was running out of room on my hard drive, mm-hmm. on my service book. Another Microsoft product, just saying Microsoft. <laughs> Look me up if you want to advertise. But, <laughs> Um, seriously, I, my Surface book was running really slow, and then I looked at the hard drive uh, memory availability, and it was red. The line was red, I means I running out of room, and so it was because of all the videos I have from you know doing podcasts over the years or doing courses at, with recordings and things, and so I, I need extra space to back them up uh, where they wouldn't get lost, so that I could free up some RAM because that's why my my hard drive was running slower, uh, and it did help. Uh, A lot to do that. But I was just really amazed that I ran out of space already. And it was, it's funny, though, trying to figure out what what am I going to use, you know, you mentioned Dropbox, uh, Google Drive. We, we use both at Rogue mm-hmm. Tulips. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like sometimes I have to go to Fern and say, I don't remember what folder this is, in,
1: yeah, is this on the, the, the Yeah, And then different departments and organizations end up using their own, like one department uses Dropbox, another uses SharePoint, somebody uses Google, and documents are all over the place. It's hard to find anything. So consolidating, I think, is a worthy um, effort. I think to make everything easier, and you can find things by using one search on one platform versus trying to hop from one to another, trying to locate it. But on the uh, on the uh, topic of automation uh, and integration, right? Uh, even though we we talked sometime about uh, about Microsoft, uh, I'm not plugging Microsoft at all. But I wanted to uh, speak a little bit about Zapier or similar tools
0: mm-hmm. that.
1: Allow different vendors with uh, different uh, different um, applications and solutions to talk to each other, like for example, <clears throat> one of the mechanisms to remove manual work from your staff that's overworked. I can I can illustrate on on one example. Uh, okay. Many associations we have uh, we sell sponsorships, right? We uh, sell. Uh, Sponsors can buy a webinar or a, a table at the conference or a booth or whatever, many different things that sponsors can buy. Sometimes it's, they're f- fairly expensive items. In our organization, every time a sponsor purchase something, a an internal staffer would have to go to uh, Adobe e- e- eSign uh, platform and bring up the template for signature put in the name and the phone number and email address and address of the person who purchased the, the, uh, uh, the sponsorship item and email it to them for e-signature before we can deliver the uh, what was agreed upon under the sponsorship contract. Well, sometimes these people will, will sign it right away. Sometimes it will take them a week. Sometimes they'll forget to sign it. And people on our side will also forget that somebody didn't sign something, mm-hmm. right? And it was taking time because when you have like, hundreds of sponsors constantly buying stuff, it's a lot of time. So what we have done using Zapier, uh, we've automated this entire process. So whenever somebody purchases sponsorship from our AMS, it instantly uh, alerted Zapier about this event and Zapier in turn activated a DocuSign template automatically entered the name and email address and and all the relevant information of the person who needs to sign into the template, emailed it to whoever needed to sign on the the sponsor side, and also created a task in Microsoft Office uh, for internal staffer to double check a week from now whether this document was signed or not. And all of a sudden, that freed up hours upon hours of time and uh, created a reminder in case the document didn't get signed in in one week and say, oh, I need to reach out to that sponsor because the time is coming up, they need to pay us $20,000 and we still don't have a signed contract. It's just one example of many that can be done, sometimes even stringing Zapier automations and integration into the Microsoft Power Automate. So you can have flows that originate externally to office into the internal office automations, and uh, opportunities there are uh, only limited to your imagination.
0: That's really, you know, when you when somebody like yourself with all this knowledge and experience explains it, you just go, "Wow, that, that really makes so much sense. Why didn't we notice that?" and You know, it's like I always say, if uh, people didn't need an objective third party to look at things and see what they're missing, consultants wouldn't have any work. I mean, that's really why you bring in somebody like us, because we see things differently and we can find those things and integrations and and points and and save you that time and effort. But I also think an important thing that relates to technology infrastructure, believe it or not, it might sound like a leap, but it's really not. And that's knowledge management. Because if you have everybody sharing everything in one place, whether it's Dropbox or SharePoint or Google Drive, whatever it is, you come up with your protocol for naming and placement and where you put it and everybody has it. So like I've worked at places where they had a central F drive and that's where everything has to be saved, for example. Uh, That's the major share drive. The reason that's important is because if people leave their job to go take another job, or they retire, or whatever life change happens to them, how are you supposed to find their stuff? And if it's on their hard drive, even if it's uh, the organization's computer, how are you supposed to figure out how they were filing it? So it's really important to have that as well for your knowledge management overall going forward in the future.
1: Yes, Uh, that is excellent point. And we actually instituted policy where people were not, I can't say not allowed, but, we are asked to not keep any corporate related information on their laptops even though the laptops were shipped to them mm-hmm. everything uh, since we work in microsoft office environment right everybody has a space in the in the cloud and we even asked not to keep anything on p- people's sort of corporate onedrives because it still sort of belongs to them because all the work is done on some kind of project so if we use let's say teams and channels for for your departments and for and teams around specific projects and channels to work on specific workflows in those for those projects then they become storage of all the necessary artifacts so if and because you work for some kind of project or for some kind of departments everything you work on should be stored in there so uh, after we instituted this this policy whenever somebody left nobody ever had to scramble to find like where those people kept their files because they were always ev- available to everybody with a few exceptions. Like for example, human resources, of course, cannot keep files available to everyone, right? Or executive director. There are some personal things that may need to be kept somewhat hidden, right, or protected. But those are exceptions. Yeah. Normally yeah. for project work, yeah, that, that, that should be all on the shared space.
0: Well, and, and, you know, excellent point about privacy and confidentiality too, because that that is something we always have to be aware of uh, for people. So one of the things you and I talked about as we were planning this episode was your AMS. So, and one of the things you mentioned is that the AMS is not necessarily the center of the universe. So I think that's a really good point. But one of the things I've been talking to other IT people about the last couple of years is the future and or the fate of the AMS. There are people out there who do the kind of work you do who think the integrated AMS is going the way of the dinosaur and that we shouldn't have it anymore. So I was wondering, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I I fully agree with that. I, I, well, I don't think there is no room for AMS in the future. I think AMS is here to stay and must be an integral part of every organization, right? But as integrated AMS, or I should say monolithic AMS, right? This is the type of AMS that tries to do all those different things. Uh, in addition to member management, they try to do events. They try to do grant management. They try to uh, uh, do fifth, like learning management. They they try to do it. like all those different things that AMS has tried to do. That end up failing or doing substandard job at all those other modules, because there is just, they just simply don't have this singular focus on improving that particular module, right? The, the AMS part may be good, but everything else is sort of mediocre. So, uh, after I have realized uh, or my... My... Uh, I guess philosophy here have evolved towards uh, i pass based architecture. i I started to preach this sort of uh, best of fit architectures, right? When you choose systems that are best for what you need, not necessarily you you may have heard term best of breed, right? this is this may not necessarily the best approach because best of breed usually quite expensive and not everybody can afford the best of breed and may not necessarily need the best of breed. So you choose a system that really fits your needs as an organization, right? And as long as it it can be integrated into the overall architecture using Zapier, for example, or something else, that's probably gonna be an optimal thing when you can easily plug system into your architecture or when they no longer meet your needs, unplug it, purchase something else and plug it in its place. And uh, this way, AMS stops being the center of the universe. And it's never really meant to be a center of the universe. We can we, we, we kept talking about uh, AMS with all the data has to come into the AMS. You can't really accomplish that. They're not built to accommodate data from all other peripheral systems that your members touch from all the touch points. Right. So, and this this actually led to the rise of uh, data lakes and data analytics platforms like Association Analytics, for example, or Gravitate Solutions, or a couple others, because AMS just cannot do that. So let AMS do what it's best at managing members and the renewals and 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 uh, um, and activities around the membership, right? And let other systems integrate with it, and let the uh, data lake. Absorb all this data, and then provide you with dashboards and reports and analytics. And in this architecture, any system can be easily easily replaced. Well, not easy. I mean, nothing is easy, right? right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, right. if only it were. <laughs> but
1: but at least it's 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 surmountable challenge. Mm-hmm.
0: No, this really, you know, and you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned that about data lakes because I, you know, a few, uh, more than a few years ago now, I guess it was like back in 2017, 2018, we were talking about data warehouses and we wouldn't be able to access the stuff in the data warehouse. Mm-hmm. We were talking about data lakes. Then we were talking about data wells. Now we're talking about data rivers. I mean, <laughs> what exactly are we, are we fishing? What are we doing with our data now? What are we calling it?
1: Actually, I, like, I don't know what, what to call this thing. Right. But the data needs to have a place right? Mm-hmm. it needs to have a place. And um, preferably you would be, you will retain ownership of this data. And as other systems come and go, they should be able to continuously feed the, infor- the information about your members and constituents and their touch points and their activities into that central data, data repository. Well, lake, river.
0: <laughs> yeah it was like a lake somebody told me one time oh it's a lake now because it all sits there together and then somebody's oh now it's a river because the data is constantly evolving and changing and moving and i'm like okay because you know it's been my experience once data gets captured in a field it's that's pretty much it yeah <laughs> well they, I, in the record it's it's old now
1: well, the, the the point is that the whole, that so the whole point of the integration between all of, all, all of those systems is that the data is constantly updated. So it's not, it doesn't get stale. So let's say information about your member goes into the data lake, as soon as this member changes their last name or phone number or email addresses address, it instantly notifies the, not notifies the data lake system and says, okay, here's the new information about that member. So that has to stay current. So the data governance, and how the data flows across between those systems um, is an important consideration.
0: Well, and I know with tech stacks, and, and actually, um, Misha, for the audience who may not know exactly what tech stack means, could you explain that?
1: Uh, usually just funky term uh, for a collection of various software systems organization possesses, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you have Microsoft Office and Dropbox and an AMS and a learning management system and event management system, right, and an email marketing system, uh, an abstract submission system and speaker management system, all of those things together, are usually called tech stack, right? Okay. All so, the-
0: yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure everybody kind of knew what that meant because I, j- I learned that term when I was doing a certification for a virtual, it was actually a certificate program for virtual event planning. And uh, they kept talking about the tech stack, you have to build your tech stack for your virtual event. And I was like, oh, what a cool word. And I used it like every chance I got for about three months after that. I was like, well, you know, when you're discussing your tech stack, you know, we have to take all these things <laughs> into account, but it's basically all the things you've been talking about. Does it integrate? Are there integrations we need to add to that to make it work? And And I think maybe we all have done something like this in our career without thinking about it that way because we think about we have the AMS, we have the integrated AMS. Well, that means it has other add-ons, like it comes with a website and the website includes a blog and you can have an online community. Uh, There's some out there that are like that, but you still need to have external integrations. Like for example, I know there's some out there, you have to still get an integration, go to QuickBooks if you want to use the QuickBooks add-in or whatever, Quick and whichever one you're using. So there's a lot of different things like that as well. So I think when we're talking about that, yeah a lot of people of course we all know what ams means association management system but customer relationship management crms i'm seeing a lot of people start to use those instead of an ams uh, what have you seen that or what are your thoughts on that
1: I, I see some of that i haven't personally had any experience with with using uh, crms in place of ams and in fact i don't i prefer not to use the term ams association management system because I prefer to use MMS, which is member management system, right? because okay. I want to be more specific about what's the goal of that piece of software is. And in my world, the goal of that piece of software is manage members, not to manage a, a, an entire association, because we have that tech stack. We have different systems that allow association to function. So a, as a term association management system, I would try, I prefer to never speak of that again and just get, get the <laughs> knowledge.
0: No, that's actually a really good point, you know, uh, because uh, there's a lot of nonprofits out there that are not membership groups, they're foundations or charities, and so they have stakeholders, they don't really have members, or they have donors, mm-hmm. so they might be using, I don't even know, does anybody use Razor's Edge anymore, that used to be the n one, but they might be using, you know, fundraising software or some other kind of software too, so I I think that's really Good. I think actually, you know, maybe we all start, should start thinking about our tech infrastructure and that's (laughs) going to change. Now I know I'm a solopreneur and Fern Carbonell of Fern Carbonell Services uh, is a contractor who works with me and helps me kind of run the back end on stuff. But once or twice a year, we do a technology infrastructure review and see what are we using? How are we using it? Do we need to keep using it? And that sounds like that might be a good process procedure to build into the annual schedule for most nonprofit organizations. What, what do you think of that?
1: Absolutely. It, it, absolute, it is absolutely critical. Well, uh, first of all, I hope that most organization, organizations have some kind of um, technology strategy mm-hmm. that outlines their short and mid and long term uh, idea, how they're going to, how they stack, right, is going to evolve over the years, but it needs to be reviewed at least once a year, right? To see well what has worked, what has not worked, where are we on those different systems? When the when the renewal times comes up, do we need to replace that system or not? Is, has it been functioning? Has, has we made we make a mistake bringing system X into the fold? And should we reevaluate it and take it out? So uh, continuous review is 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 also also critical, but In addition, I think what some what happens frequently in associations, especially in the smaller side of the spectrum, who do not have a IT person or CIO kind of person who oversees the overall strategy. Frequently, departments just go out on their own and just buy software that seems to fit their needs. Like Mm -hmm. a membership department will go out and research member management systems and like something and bring it into the floor. The events department will go bring event system without necessarily talking it through with everybody else or, or involving entire organization making those decisions. So as a result, they'll bring in the system that perhaps answers their specific needs, but doesn't work well with all other systems that are used in that organization. But because they already signed the three-year contract, the rest of the organization has to deal with this pain of the system that either does not talk to theirs right for the next three years, right, or, or presents significant challenges and it requires manual workarounds, some kind of Excel spreadsheet will uploads and downloads and manual cleanup because something doesn't work. Um, so having a uh, some kind of IT person, maybe there are many organizations that o- offer fractional CIO services, right. Uh, if you if you don't have your own, to oversee and have this holistic view of your organization, understand its needs across all departments and help guide the strategy of selecting systems that will be good for the whole of the organization, as opposed to, like let's say, just one department will go a long way uh, to the future.
0: Well, you know, I'm just kind of shuddering hearing you describe that scenario because <laughs> it happens and it happens a lot. It does. Uh, And I am just shuddering hearing that because as an executive, that's just not how you make decisions. It is, you don't have one department just run off and buy some software and go, oh, look what I got. It, It just doesn't work that way. And it can't work that way if you want to have an integrated system that actually saves you time and doesn't cost you more time, which I know is one of the points that you have brought home to us today. In this conversation about that is, is the integrations aren't helping you, they're actually hurting you in the long run. Yeah. But that's just like a whole other issue with the let's I ran out and bought a different software package that doesn't talk to anything or anyone, you know, and it's all mine. And I guess sometimes people think that is uh job security or something. It's it's like the people who hold their knowledge really close to the best. Because they think they'll never get fired. Because well, I'm the only one who knows this. Yeah. You
1: know,
0: yeah. You know and that's that's not a good thing. And uh, but actually, you're making me think of a somewhat funny story. Um, I used to work at a specialty bar association for corporate attorneys, the American Corporate Counsel Association, which is now the Association for Corporate Counsel. And at the time, we had about oh, just about ten thousand members, or at least ten thousand member records, and we had our data all stored at an offsite company provider and we had one of those big green module monitor things that we had to log into to type in. They got hit by lightning and they lost 30 days of data. Just poof, gone. And no backup, no way to know what to do. So our director of membership and marketing at the time that she was tasked with, okay, you need to go out and find us a new system that we can bring in-house because she made a pitch and she made the argument, she had a good proposal. So the C- CSE chief staff executive said, yeah, I think it's a good idea to go out and then find out what we should do. So she found a, you know an Apple-based database system, said, okay, we can get all of our records. They're gonna be imported into the system. All the records that are not updated will be all uppercase and we'll know. And then we're going to send out a letter to all the members. That's how long ago this was. We still sent mail to people, <laughs> send it out to everybody. And then the ones who send it back with corrections will update it. And then we'll know every time every time we've updated a record because we'll, we'll fix it to title case. Out of the 10,000 people we sent it to, like 8,200 of them responded we had mailbag after mailbag after mailbag coming into the office and we had to stay late work weekends to go through these 8,000 pieces of paper,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: update everything. So (laughs) I think, you know, that's a prime example of how far we've come, I think, with technology and the ability to do backups. There's lots of different backup systems out there. Uh, You know, there's like, I personally use Carbonite there, you know, we've already talked about Google One being able, you can expand your online cloud storage and things like that. So I think when we think of, if we kind of try to think back to the way we used to have to do things where we did do a lot of manual things, it, it brings us back to that old thing of charging people $25 to apply. And that was because somebody had to manually enter it into the data system. But every time you do that, you're opening a door to making errors and having bad data. And so some of the things that you've brought up today have really shown a light on that. I think about where, where are we keeping the data and then how are we grabbing the data, whether it's in a river or a warehouse or a lake, wherever you have to keep your data. <laughs> so no, that was really great. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I, I am not an IT expert like you are, but I love talking about technology and, and how it's a tool to help us get our work done easier and quicker uh, and better and bring our teams together. Uh, you also mentioned about it can make us more creative. Did you want to make a quick comment on how it unleashes our creativity?
1: Uh, well, that was in a slightly different context when I, when we were talking about how uh, technology can automate. I, I'm not going to touch on the um, chat GPT and... Uh, AI conversations, because that's a completely different topic, right? That's another episode. (laughs) That's another episode, right? Uh, But within the context of what we were uh, talking about, integrations and automations, um, being able to automate the daily routine grinding work of your staff, right, releases their time to be more creative, right? Finding more creative solutions for your members, right, for for your organization, improving things, thinking bigger, uh, as opposed to being mired every day in updating member records, for example. That can be, that those updating member records can be most likely automated. And uh, I say most likely, because it, um, in my previous job, we automated a lot of fields that were changing in one place, we automated, automated processes that will change them in some other place somewhere else something that used to be manual or required the data dumps and uploads all of that instantly was happening through the automation and all of a sudden people still, now they free from this mundane mind numbing work <laughs> and 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 some express fear like well you're going to automate my my job out of existence no it actually gives you I can't say like gives you wings, right? No, but it <laughs> your mind up for to, to be a more productive member of the uh, employee for your organization, right? And focus on uh, creating member value uh, versus then on these mundane things that um, you sort of feel like you're part of a machine, you know?
0: Yeah, well, and, and that answers the question uh, that we all have trying to manage everything that we need to do administrative things, technology things. And then we want to do these other bigger things. And that answers the question, if only, if only I had more time, if only I had more energy, I could do these other things. And so that's what a lot of the information and advice you shared in this episode uh, can help us do. Mm -hmm. So Now, I know you're a first time guest, so I will uh, just let you know, I always like to ask my guest, what is the one thought you would like the audience to take away today from this wonderful conversation about better using our technology? And then how can they get in touch with you if they'd like to follow up or learn more?
1: Well, um, I guess the, the main idea is that technology now has evolved to the point where any organization, even a very small one, even an organization of one or two staff, right, uh, can afford automations and integrations that are offered by the standardized platform. I I, I can share that at my organization, uh, all these automations we were running on Zapier cost us $600 a year, a year, right? So that, that becomes, and there were lots of automations running, right, and there are other platforms that are even cheaper than that. Uh, like for some example, make.com. So don't let yourself think that it's out of reach because it's difficult or expensive. It's now technology made it easy and inexpensive and uh, 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 achievable without major or significant effort or need to study, right? So help is out there, it doesn't cost much and anybody can become a very efficient, organization, and be able to accelerate your uh, internal processes and uh, and member service delivery. yeah it's 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 there. so the time is now <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. well, how can how can people get in touch with you, Misha, if they'd like to uh, talk with you some more or or perhaps work with you?
1: Well, uh, my email is Misha m i s h a at five zero one evolved dot com. So uh, that's the easiest way to reach me.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And I love your company name. <laughs> right. it stands out. I really like it. So well, I want to thank Misha for joining me this week to share all of his knowledge. Well, not all of it, but a good peek into his knowledge uh, <laughs> he can do for all of us when it comes to technology questions and helping us find the best solutions. And we all know that technology is a really important part of what we do every day, even if we're not thinking about it. So uh, thank you for joining me, Misha.
1: Absolutely. It was a delightful conversation. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, you are welcome. Thank you. So we have to go rogue for now but we'll be back next time with another exciting episode of Radio Free 501C. If you haven't already subscribed or followed up, followed us, uh, please do. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on Spotify. We've done way more episodes than the Duchess of Sussex. Yes, I keep teasing her about that, but you know it's fun. Anyway, so you can follow us on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, or you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the major services. So look us up. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips Consulting and how we can help you bloom outside the box, check out our website, rogetulips.com. You can look at our services page. And if you don't see exactly what you're looking for, contact me and we'll talk about it. And if you are looking for continuing education for nonprofit management professionals in the area of exam preparation, ethics, or a variety of topics we offer through our second Wednesday webinar series, check out our education program, the 501C, 501C League. I was joking with Misha earlier about how people screw up the name of my program and I just did it. The 501C League is an education program so big, it has its own website, the501cleague.net. So check out both of those, contact me if you have questions and on behalf of Misha and myself, thanks for joining us.